0: Just a sweet time worshiping this morning, you know, um, just to tell you a little bit about me, you know, I'm pretty much an open book, but, uh, um, last couple of weeks I've been exhausted. I mean, I'm sitting at the dinner table and my family's looking at me and saying, are you going to fall asleep? And I'm not the one that had the baby. My, my, my daughter, my daughter had the baby, baby, and, um. And then, with, with that comes a little bit of uh, moodiness and stuff like like that too. And um, when we were just worshiping this morning, I was just thinking about that, you know, with the Lord. And, and uh, what he, what he said is, subconsciously, you have received a new mantle of grandfather, and the weight of that is what's causing you. To be so tired to be and then he says that there is grace for this new mantle you know because a righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children and and you take these responsibilities not lightly and uh, these are generations now we're, we're, we're talking about and uh, I just thank the Lord that Holy Spirit, just reaffirm to me that in every area of your life, every situation that you find yourself in, you are not alone, you do not have to do it in your own strength, and that there is the grace of God to be prosperous in that endeavor. Amen? Amen. Hopefully, maybe someone here, you're going through something that is new. There is grace in that. I know we have kids that are graduating um, here shortly. Or they have. I don't know. Can't keep up. But there, don't, don't be afraid of your future. God, God has a plan for you. He's written, he's written novels about your life. And you have the, the joy of partnering with God and walking that journey, that path out. Sometimes you get, might get off on if you were like me, you'll get off on dead ends. but he's the best GPS there is. God position, positioning system. He gets you rerouting, gets you right back on, on course. But there is grace for these new, these new things that God is doing in your life. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for the spirit of the living God. In this place, we thank you as we come together, we magnify you, and you get bigger in our lives. You're bigger than any situation or mountain that we are facing, Lord. Father, we thank you that the Word of God is living and powerful. And in in this morning, it's going to transform the way that we think. Hmm. We are looking into a mirror this morning, and we are seeing who we are in Christ Jesus. We love you. We praise you, and we receive this by faith, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. So we started a uh, series, and usually I, I teach uh, topical type messages, but every once in a while we teach a book of the Bible. And I looked at First Peter and um, started reading it, and seeing some interesting things that were in it, and how it applies to us today, and then i seen there's five chapters, okay. five, six-week um, series. Well, we're in chapter two, and we're on our fifth week, so, so you see how my plans go, right? And uh, um, what we learned about so far is that what Peter tells us is, first of all, we, we've seen that Peter was not a perfect Christian. You know, when Jesus calls you the devil, you know, get behind me, Satan, you know, when you deny Jesus, you wouldn't be the poster boy of what we call a perfect Christian, but this is a perfect letter. And what this just, what this does for me, it shows me that, that despite our imperfections, God can do a perfect work through us. And this is, this, is, this is so profound, and you need to hear that, hear that from the Lord this morning. And we've seen that Peter is writing to Christians that are living in this tension, just like we are, this tension of the blessings of God and the inheritance of the saints, and the pressure, the pressure and the burden of the world. This world will burden you down if you let it. The culture, the nation of Rome was becoming increasingly immoral and it was becoming increasingly more hostile to Christians. I mean, this is just leading up to Nero. The one that threw parties and and lit lit his, his, uh, his banquets with burning Christians. We think we got it bad. We got a good. We got a good. And what we need to do, and when you read the Bible, you need to do this. First of all, you need to understand the context and the times that these, these letters were written. But also, you have to look through the letter. You have to look through the letter and see our day and our hour that we're living in today. Because Scripture isn't just about what happened yesterday. It's not what happened in the past. It's about what always happens. It's about what always happens. It's eternal. And we need to see that God's people were dealing with the same kind of struggles that we face today. Rome was the most powerful nation in history. Not in history. In the world at the time. Rome was the most powerful nation in the world. Does that sound familiar today? the economic my goodness and and military power they were the superior in the world and they were and they were feeling the same troubles the trials the temptations that uh, we are today which means this is not an old book it's an eternal book and it speaks to our times that we are currently living in today we have seen so far that peter is telling the church that Foundations are needed to build healthy lives. Foundations are needed to build culture. Foundations are needed to build, um, build the world that we live in, in families. And we're not to build our foundations on culture. We're not to build it, we've seen, on passions from your former ignorance. We're not to build on family traditions. But Jesus Christ and the eternal word. In a world where everything, everything is unstable. Everything is uncertain. Everything is confusing. Everything keeps changing. The definitions of things keep changing. Right? One thing remains. One thing remains. One thing remains constant. One thing remains unshakable. And that is Jesus Christ and the Word of God. Peter talked about how Scripture is spiritual nutrition. You know, as babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, right? He he talks about how we need spiritual nutrition to grow up strong in our salvation. And what we need to understand is that our palate needs to be disciplined. Our palate needs to be disciplined. Just like physical food that we eat for our body, if you want to get healthy and strong, you have to eat things that are healthy and good for you. Correct? But sometimes... You don't like those things that are healthy and good for you. And you have to discipline your body to enjoy those foods. And it doesn't happen overnight. Right? It takes time to discipline your palate. And the same thing with the Word of God. You need to taste and see that the, the Lord is good. And you have to taste and taste and taste and discipline your mind, your will. Your emotions to get the nutrition that is needed from Scripture. It can take a while for sick people to get healthy. You know, some people think well, I, I, I ate a salad. I don't feel any better. I didn't lose any weight. Right? I'm not any healthier today than I was before I ate the salad. No, it takes salad after salad, right? It takes exercise after exercise. The same thing is true with the, with the scripture and the word of God. Your mind isn't renewed if, if, until till it starts producing in your life. And we've seen last week that there's that study that was done over 400,000 people about reading the Word of God. And it wasn't until, they didn't see no noticeable effect until day four. When you read, read Scripture at, at a minimum of four days a week, and that makes a majority, then the needle tilts. Then you see things start changing. For most people, the, the amount of Scripture they get is what they get here on Sunday morning. And this is just a starting point. You, as we're going to see here in the future in First in, in Peter, that you are kings and priests. And as a priest, you should constantly be in the Word of God. You should be constantly feeding on Jesus. And once you get healthy, then you realize how sick you were. I don't know about you, but you know there was a time when I came back into the kingdom and I thought, I, I'm not too, I wasn't too bad. But the more that I seen who I was in Christ, the more that the Word was allowed to transform my thinking, then I realized how sick I truly was. And Peter goes on to tell us that if you want to manif- heaven to manifest in your life, you have to build it on Jesus Christ. So we're going to pick up in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. And it says, "...coming to Him a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious." You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. A living stone. This living stone, it shows up in Scripture um, over and over again. Isaiah talked about it. Daniel talked about it. Zechariah talked about it. Jesus even talked about it. You know, He called Peter. He called Simon. He says, you are Peter. Meaning, small stone. And on this, I will build my church. Take that back to Daniel. He interpreted Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Remember the idol of all the world superpowers? You had Babylon, you had Persia, you had Greece, you had Rome. And he says, a stone came and hit these world powers at its feet, and it crumbled and turned into dust. And he says, and this stone grew and grew and became a mountain until it filled up the entire earth. Isn't it interesting that on the day of Pentecost, a small stone stood up and preached the gospel for the first time, and 3,000 people got saved, and this mountain has been growing and growing and growing into the earth. Amen. Come back, come, Lord Jesus, for your for your church. Amen. And he talks about and you when you come to Him, you are a living stone. He's using the language of a builder. He's talking about building something. How, how do you build a life? How do you build a business? How do you build a family? How do you build a ministry? A stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. You know, he's using this imagery a lot like um, Paul used, talking about the body of Christ. We are all um, individuals. We are all members, but we make up one body. Right? We are all living stones, but we're building up one house. Right? So we're the family of God. God's the Father. This, this is the Father's house. And, and to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And we talked about Peter saying that you're supposed to build on the living Word of God. Right? Everything else fades. Everything else burns. But the The Word of God is forever. It's eternal. So what does he do? He starts quoting Scripture. Therefore, it is also contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. He says, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. Whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. And we got a lot of shame in this world, don't we? So for us as believers, Jesus is precious. He is of highest value. But for those who do not believe... It's the stone that the builders reject, and beco- it, it became, has become the chief cornerstone and a stumbling block, a rock of offense. People's lives are crumbling, they're unstable. It leaves them unsatisfied because they reject the only foundation that is constant support the only foundation that builds the Zion that they are looking for. Zion. Zion is the name for the kingdom of God on earth. It's where heaven and earth come together. He uses this language of building. And in the ancient world, the primary building materials was masonry. It was stones, right? Right? So what they would do is they would go out and start collecting stones. They would go to a quarry and start collecting stones. And they'd get all these stones and then they would have to determine what is the first stone. What's the first stone? And that to start building on. And that is what they called the cornerstone. Jesus is the cornerstone, he's saying. If you look at all the options that are available in life, you can pick this religion, that religion, this person, that person, this commitment, that commitment, this, this uh, job, that job. What do you pick first? What do we build our life on? Everyone has to start building on something. Everything in life is built on something. We build our life on something. We build our family on something. Society has to be built on some kind of cornerstone. And so, where do we start? You say, I'm going to start with me. It's going to crumble. I'm going to start with money and success. It's going to crumble. I'm going to start with my spouse. We don't need that kind of weight. It's going to crumble. I'm going to start with my kids. Your family's going to crumble. Why does it seem like everything in our society is crumbling? Because it's not built on the right cornerstone. This is the truth. Marriages crumble without Jesus. It's statistically proven. And we're going to talk about it in a little bit. It's statistically proven that the best, most satisfying marriages are with two committed believers, Christians, that live out their faith together. Families. Crumble without Jesus. Nations crumble. Economies crumble without Jesus. Everyone's yelling because everything's falling apart, but no one knows how to start building. Where do we start? Jesus first, and he talks about Jesus. He says, for Jesus, some people don't want that stone. I don't want Jesus telling me what to do in my marriage. I don't want Jesus telling me what to do in my finances. I don't want Jesus telling me what to do in my sexuality. He's offensive. To some people, Jesus is offensive. For some people, Jesus in Christianity is offensive. It's like the rules have been reversed. Like, I judge God, and I say that He's evil, and I'm good. That's what people are doing. That's what people are doing. He goes on to say that some people will stumble over Jesus as a stumbling stone. They're not looking for as they're not looking at God being present in their life, and they're and and and, and they're looking over God, and as as they, as a result they trip over God, and that's God's mercy. God puts Himself in our way. God puts Himself in our way as a speed bump, so that. You can acknowledge Jesus and you can start to rebuild your life on a sure foundation. See, I want, to, I want to unburden some of you. Some of you parents, some of you grandparents here, you have children that are prodigals. They've rejected Jesus. And you're saying, they've rejected Jesus and I love Jesus. Right? My, my kids don't love Jesus and I love Jesus. What did I do wrong? What did we do wrong? Now, every parent every parent has a litmus of, of things that they, Satan can use against them to say what you should have done, what you shouldn't have done, things you should have said, things you shouldn't have said. All of these things. And, and I want to unburden you this morning. Ultimately, every human being has to decide for themselves what they will do. Will they receive Jesus or will they reject Jesus? Jesus Christ, will I receive Jesus and build my life upon Jesus or will I reject Jesus and build my life on the counterfeits of the world? And you need to be unburdened. That Ultimately, it's between your child and Jesus. You need to love them. You need to pray for them. You need to care for them. You need to have hope for them. But you can't save them. You can't save them. That Ultimately, they need to decide if they will receive Jesus or they'll reject Jesus. And what this is saying is that some people reject Jesus. As long as they're alive, we, you still have hope. Right? So we don't lose hope for them. But we put our trust in Holy Spirit who loves them more than we do to use every opportunity available to reveal Jesus to them. Amen? So he's talking about these people. He's saying, no, 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 my cornerstone, cornerstone is my job. Jesus bless my job. No, 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 my cornerstone is, is my family. Jesus bless my marriage. No, 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 my cornerstone is, is me. Jesus bless me. And all these things crumble because they're not built, they're, because they're built on the wrong cornerstone, the wrong foundation. Let me say this you can be a Christian. And build elements of your life on the wrong cornerstone. You're still loved by God. You're still saved. But life starts crumbling. It starts collapsing because it's not built according to God's design. And when things start to crumble, don't blame God. See, that's one of the biggest issues with with believers. Is they think, Just because they're a believer that they can live life any way that they want, and it's blessed. No, you have to build your life according to God's design. It has to be built on Jesus Christ. Everything in life, all aspects of your life has to be built on the sure foundation of Jesus. Right? Zion. Zion. is heaven and earth coming together. God ruling and reigning. What's going on right now on the political right and the political left is that everyone wants Zion. But no one wants Jesus. On the right, what do you want? I want, a, I want ec- economic prosperity. I want a future and hope. I want human flourishing. I want freedom and liberty. Oh, you want Zion. On the left, I want justice. I want a good environment. I want, to be, I want people to be taken care of. Oh, you want Zion too. Everyone wants Zion, but nobody knows how to build it. Because we're not opening the Word of God and starting with Jesus Christ. You need to start with the opening the Bible and start building on Jesus as our cornerstone. This is how this nation began those who do this, Zion will start showing up in your life. You understand that? This isn't just about large aspects of nation building or culture building this or society. This is, takes it right back to individual marriages and families. When you start Building on Jesus, Zion starts showing up in your life. All of a sudden, marriages start coming together. All of a sudden, parenting starts coming together. Life starts coming together. You know, I I hesitate to say this, but for me, with all the chaos, all the drama, all the things that's going on in the world, my life is good. Don't ask my wife, but I think our marriage is better than it's ever been. My kids all say they love me. They come home. They want to be together. I'm a grandfather. Life is good. You can have Zion in the midst of hell. Open the Word of God and start building your life on Jesus. If you remember what Peter just told us, he says that people come and go, that nations come and go, that everything is like grass, right? Remember reading that last week? That the spring flowers, everything eventually everything will burn. Everything comes to an end. That everyone, every nation, every movement, every family, every ideology is like that. But the Word of God endures forever. The Word of God endures forever. That thousands of years later, we're still, we'll still be being fed and nourished and sustained by the same Word of God. Think about that. And it reveals to us the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the center of human history. Jesus is the center of Scripture. And life only works when Jesus is the center of your life. So my first question is, do you know Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Have you received Jesus? Have you become a Christian? Have you turned from sin? Have you trusted in Him? Don't reject Him. Don't be offended by Him. Don't trip over Him. Receive Him. And then secondly, my question is, if you have received him, are you building every area of your life on him as the chief cornerstone? You know, Peter gave us some clues in the previous chapter that one of the ways that God is going to start building Zion in your family is by men becoming new fathers. Following the example of God, the Father. Not following the example of their forefathers. See, as fathers and mothers, we have to decide what we're going to build our families on. Is our family going to be built on our family? Or is it going to be built on Jesus? We live in a day and age where people unfortunately have to choose their children over Jesus. And instead of telling their children that their children need to change to be like Jesus, we're telling Jesus He needs to change to accept our children. We have whole churches that have come out of the closet saying that Jesus and Scripture needs to change, not that people need to repent and be changed. They're not building on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ, and it will crumble it will crumble. You can have Zion. God desires you to have Zion in your life. Statistically, the presence of a father is the number one variable for the health of a family and the success of children. This is one of the reasons we started BAM, Be a Man Gatherings every month. We want to sow in to men. You want to know what our leadership, how we go about doing leadership in the church, through men's ministry. Getting men to look like the man, Jesus Christ. If you get men leading, families are transformed. We build men up in this church to bless women and children. Societies with strong families are being built on Jesus Christ. The very first thing that communism does, it it, it, it obliterates the nucleus family. And government becomes family. It's totally contrary to how God designed things. Furthermore, the best fathers statistically are Christian fathers. Amen? Amen? Ain't that great, men? Statistically, it's been proven. You're the best men out there. Praise the Lord. And if you're sitting there thinking, well, my man's not that great. Well, statistically, he's better than anything else out there, so you better stick with him. Just keep praying for him. right? Encourage him. I mean, one of the best things you can do, women, is get your men to come to the men's events. If you want your marriage to change, have God change your man. You can't change them. Only God can. Amen? So, the highest rates of divorce and family dysfunction are where a husband and wife practice two different religions. Because you can't have God and Satan and start a family and have it turn out good, right? The strongest, the strongest marriage and families have a mother and father who are Bible-believing, Jesus-loving, church-attending Christians. I'm not saying they are people that call themselves Christians. They are people that live like a Christian. Right? The Bible is open in their life. Jesus is their joint cornerstone. And they build their life and marriage on Jesus. True Christian marriages have the lowest rate of divorce, the highest rates of marital satisfaction, and the lowest rates of spousal abuse, and the greatest flourishing for, um, for families and generations to come. Man, it seems like our society, our, our schools, our colleges, our universities, if we wanted to build Zion, if we wanted to make heaven on earth, we would start with what statistics and science and the math shows. So what does this mean? It means that God's divine design works. Listen, if we had more dads, we wouldn't need as many cops. If we had more dads, we wouldn't need as much government. If we had more dads, and they, they would, and if they would have been spanking their kids when they were little, they wouldn't be rioting as adults. There is a correlation, is a correlation. I'm going to say something that's controversial, but whatever. There is a correlation between a generation that is fatherless and a generation that's socialistic. They were never disciplined. They don't take responsibility. And they feel like their mother did a good job of raising them. And now, government needs to be their new mother. Mom, I need a place to live. Mom, I need something to eat. Mom, my feelings have been hurt. Mom, their slice of pie is bigger than my slice of pie. Get me some more pie. Most of our cultural problems... Our family problems. And most of our family problems are father problems. The whole family unit and all of life needs to be built on Jesus Christ as the cornerstone. You, you, You can be healthy. Your family can be healthy in a sick world. And that's what he's going to close with. He's going to close with some things that God says about you. That God says about me. For those who are saying yes to opening their Bible, to yes to building their life on Jesus, He gives some hope. He gives some courage. He gives some insight. Verse 9, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now... The people of God, who have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. See, we are told that we have a race issue in our country. And here's the answer to the race issue. The, the cornerstone of race needs to be Jesus. He says that in Jesus, you are a chosen race. Wouldn't that be awesome? If anybody says, so which, what race are you? A chosen one. I'm a chosen race. This is the answer to the race problem. There's a big fight right now. Which race are you? If you're a Christian, you're a chosen race. Right? All the nations, all the cultures, all the languages, all the people groups. If you're a Christian, it's because God chose you to be part of His family. To be born again. A born again race made up of all nations, tribes, and cultures, languages, and peoples of the earth. Amen! Those who see Jesus as precious cornerstone are a chosen race. We believers are God's tribe. Right? Do you see how building your life on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ, building your life on the Word of God, all of a sudden, we just took care of the whole race issue. You think, Chad, that's Jesus. You're just saying Jesus is the answer? That's just too simple. Yeah, he has to make it simple for us. He has to make it simple. We're simple people. There isn't a non simple person on the face of the earth. Those who see Jesus as precious, they become a chosen race. Once, once, once upon a time, you were part of Adam's family, right? And that's what they look like the Adam's family. Right? That's what our world looks like. But then they were chosen, we were chosen, and we were adopted into the family of God. He says we're a royal priesthood, like Mekeseldek, who was a king and a priest. Christians are king-priests or priestly kings, right? In the Old Testament, the priest was a chosen one, the holy one, that got to be in the presence of God. Did you hear what I just said? They were chosen to be in God's presence. And He calls you a royal priesthood. You are the children of God. You belong to Jesus. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. You are part of a royal priesthood. There would only only be a short list of priests in the Old Testament, right? You got called to be a priest. Everyone who belongs to Jesus now is put into this amazing category. This is the category that you're in. How can you say that you're nothing? How can you say that you're insignificant? How can you say that God can't use you? He called you. He chose you. He anointed you as a royal priesthood. We are to rule and reign in the name of the servant king who is Jesus. And we need to understand our dual vocation as kings and priests. If you get the priestly part and not the kingly part, you'll be servant-minded instead of servant-hearted. If you get the kingly aspect, but not the priestly part, you'll be a tyrant. A kingly priest, as kingly priests, we minister with the power and authority. And as priestly kings, we rule as a servant-hearted ministers. A holy nation. Huh. A holy nation. We are a holy priesthood, a holy house, and a holy nation. You are not primarily American. You are not primarily Amer- American. Just because you're American doesn't make you a Christian. <laughs> right? Because In America, we, we, we put on our God and God we trust. Right, You are a Christian. You are a citizen of a heavenly kingdom. A holy nation belonging to God. And let's just be honest. There isn't a whole lot of holy nations out there, are there? There's not a lot of holy nations out there. But there is a holy nation called the kingdom of God. Or called Zion. If you are a child of God, your residence is here, but your citizenship is there. Your eternal destiny is to be with people who are part of this holy nation forever and ever and ever. A holy nation that is healthy, that is prosperous. God's own possession, He says we are. God says, I want you. I want you, I want you, I want you, I want you, I want you. you." God says He wants you. You did not choose Him. He chose you. Hallelujah. I want you to be part of my family, because the world is filled with bad news, and we need to go out. We need to go out and tell people the good news, right? That Jesus wants you to be part of His family, in a world that's filled with chaos and a world that's un, that's shaking, that, a world that's constantly changing. There is something that's eternal, and that's Jesus Christ, and He's inviting you to be part of His family. This is the solution to the problems. He says you have been called out of darkness into the marvelous light. Some of you look at your past with regrets and remorse. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I wrecked my marriage. I made a mess of everything. I shipwrecked my finances. I betrayed my friend. I was looking for things, I was looking at things, I was saying things, I was doing things that I'm ashamed of. Well, here's the good news. You have been brought into the light. You have been brought into the light. Jesus, this is who I am. Jesus, this is what I've done. Jesus, would you please take it, forgive it, heal me, bring life to me change me change me give me a fresh start I love that God is not a God of second chances he's a God of another chance and another chance and another chance his mercy endures forever praise the Lord right He he brought us out of darkness and he's bringing us into the presence of God into the presence of Jesus who is the light of the world and he's saying and we, we just need to say, please take this mess of my life so I can get healthy, so I can do things differently. Whoever, whoever you've been, whatever you've done in the dark, it gets healed in the light of Jesus. He goes on to say, you're not a people, but you're now God's people. Right now everybody is trying to figure out which team I'm on. These people hate these people. These people don't like these people. What team am I on? What God says is that you're My people. You're My people. Verse 11, He says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Beloved. He says, Beloved. Beloved. Here's what you need to know. God loves you. You are His beloved. God loves you. God loves you more than you can ever imagine. God cannot love you anymore and He cannot love you any less. God loves you no matter what you have done. God cannot love you any less than he loves you right now. That is such good news. In a world where there, we have no certainty, there is a bedrock certainty that the love of God endures forever. You are loved. Just receive it. And then he closes by telling us that we're sojourners and exiles. Do you know why this world doesn't feel like it's home? Because it's not. Do you know why this world isn't working? Because it's broken. You know why this world needs, needs a solution? Yes, it does. And His name is Jesus. That ultimately, this is not our home. Ultimately, there is a Zion that will come into full manifestation. Heaven and earth coming together. Amen? In the meantime though, He says we, we need to war against the passions that are warring against us. As we navigate this world this, with this complex world, filled with temptations that we can overcome through God's Word, His Son, His Spirit, His presence, His power. He gives us the opportunity to create heaven on earth and experience freedom in the midst of the burdens of this world. See, some of you are struggling with addiction. Some of you are struggling with anxiety. Some of you are struggling with depression. Some of you are are, are just struggling with self-worth and identity. Each of us have personal battles that we are going through. It's like a war that rages within our soul. And he says that God gives power to walk in newness of life and find victory in Jesus. Here's what I want you to do. Take everything... You were thinking about when you woke up this morning. Everything that you were thinking about throughout the week. Everything that you were thinking about on the way to this building. Everything that you were thinking about as you sat in these chairs and set it aside. Treat this time as a sacred moment. Don't check your phone. Don't think about how fast, what's the fastest route to the car. but take this time to meet with God. The Word of God has been opened. The Son of God has been revealed. And it's time now to meet with Him. Some of you need to give Him burdens that you're carrying. Burdens that are trying to crush you. Some of you have sins that are haunting you and you need to bring those into the light and confess them to Jesus. Some of you are filled with anxiety of the future. And you need to cast your cares upon Him because He cares for you. I want to declare to you this morning that this day and in this place for the people of God, in the presence of God, you can be healthy. That God, through His Word and through Holy Spirit, can help you navigate through a sick world. And to provide hope for you and those that are in your sphere of influence. As we close in worship today, the burdens, the wars, the things that you're fighting, those things that it seems like you're warring in the darkness against, we have an opportunity to bring them into the light. We have an opportunity to bring them to Jesus. We have an opportunity to say, Lord, this life, this area of my life is a building that has been condemned. It's not fit for use. I want to rebuild on the cornerstone of Jesus. I want to experience Zion in my marriage. I want to experience Zion in my family. I want to experience Zion in my business, in my finances. I want to experience Zion in my thought life. This morning you can supernaturally interact with Holy Spirit because you are a priest. You are a priest and a priest is welcome into the very throne room in the presence of God. And we come boldly to his throne of grace and receive mercy and grace in our time of need. You have an opportunity to walk out these doors lighter than when you came in. You know that little bit that I shared about the Lord ministering to me during worship? I was carrying a burden, even subconsciously, of becoming a grandfather. And the responsibilities that go along with that. And understanding, you know, I'm one that wants to make sure my family succeeds and my family's prosperous. And and He ministered to me. And He took away that burden and said, my grace is sufficient. If you're in here this morning and you're carrying a burden, if there's a weight in your life, turn it over to Jesus. Discard it. And leave it here. We'll clean it up when you leave. Don't pick it back up. And when Satan tries to put it back on you, you say, no, that's not my weight to carry. I got Jesus' yoke on. His burden is light. So we're going to worship. And if if some of you, if if you need prayer, if you need minister, Pastor Tom's here, myself, we'd be happy to, to minister and pray with you. But use this, oppor- this, use this opportunity to meet with God and allow Him to start showing you the Zion that He wants to create in your life. Amen? You've been listening to a message from Caris New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.charisntc.org And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.